welcome back, yeah. guys. This is our third episode of Sports and Impact. This is my man, Phoenix McCoy. Um, so today we're just kind of going to ask him a few questions about his um, his experience through sport, whether that's playing, competing, coaching. Uh, he's had a lot of experience in a bunch of different avenues through sports, so he's going to dive into some things and, and um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man, just to start off. like Give us a quick background into your family, where you grew up, your passions, and, and what you're kind of doing now. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I, first off, thanks for having me on here, man. Like, I'm super stoked. Like, Alex and I, we just went for a walk, and the whole time I was like, damn, I'm so stoked to get on this with Sean and just, like, chat. Like, it's been a, it's been a minute. But, uh, yeah, quick background. So, I came from, like, uh, or I come from, like, a big family. There's seven of us. Uh, five boys, two girls. Grew up in a small town, Blind River. Um, yeah, man. And uh, growing up, humble beginnings. So, didn't really have, like, access to, like, you know, paid sports or anything like that so i kind of found my my sport in skateboarding and like that was kind of like you know i remember watching my brothers you know growing up like when i was like super young like they had like this whole crew of dudes who like have like rollerblades and like bicycles and skateboards and they would just like cruise around town and i would just like kind of roll with them and i kind of found like my passion through that and as i started to grow up uh i I understood that there was like a, a physical component to skateboarding that like you would you would only be able to reach a certain limit due to your physical capabilities. So like at a young age, I started like you know like doing like squats and push ups and like sit ups and everything just to kind of get like stronger. Do you remember how old then, you were? Uh, uh, yeah. So when I first started, like my first time on a board, I was like eight years old. Oh wow! Yeah, you were really young. Yeah, and then when I got my own board, I was thirteen. I like borrowed boards and everything like that, but like. I remember, like, the first board I had, bro, was, like, super recycled. Like, the like the, like the the wheels were falling off, the plastic was cracked, you yeah. like, the fabrics were blown up, like, it just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, so I skated all through elementary school, and then when I went into high school, I was still skating, but I got introduced to sport. And that was, like, around the time where, like, I met uh, my gym teacher, uh, Mark Tarantini, and he really, like, influenced me um, just through, like, conditioning the body and taking care of your body and like there was more to there was more to life than just like you know destroying your body like skateboarding you know like you can take major tolls man no don't you ever have uh, any major injuries skateboarding uh i remember i fractured my hand i never broke anything but Mm -hmm. i remember like i was trying to like do like a 50 50 grind and like i just landed right on my wrist and i was like Mm -hmm. oh man this shit is not worth it right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah and how old were you then do you remember uh, yeah, I was, I think I was 16 when that happened. Right, right. Yeah. So kind of prime then, age for, your body's changing so much at that time too, right? Like. Crazy, crazy. And then, um, and then like that summer I really contemplated like what I wanted to be doing. Cause even the guys that I was hanging around with at that time, like they probably, they weren't up to no good, you know, like they didn't really have any aspirations to like go, you know, to anything professional. So, like, I started to really look at, like, my atmosphere and, like, the people I was, like, surrounding myself with. And I was like, okay, I got to make, like, a change right now because these guys aren't going down the, the right path, you know? And this was in, like, somewhere of grade 9 I was thinking about this. And then grade 10, I went full-blown into sports and training. And it was just, at that time, I was introduced to CrossFit. And, uh, man, I, we just took off from there. Like, me and my gym teacher, he uh, he, like, really introduced me to everything. And we started learning, like the Olympic lifts, like, a little bit, you know, but nothing too serious, uh, and then a lot of the classes that we had, uh, Mark Tarantini in, like, our gym classes were just centered around training, which is, like, kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. CrossFit, like that, 
because right, um, I knew I was like, okay, I kind of understand this in a different way than I'm grasping it a lot faster than most people. Mm-hmm. And I understood that, like, you know, if we're able to strengthen our bodies and build our bodies, then we're going to be able to be more efficient in sport. Mm-hmm. Not only that, more and, efficient uh, in life too, right? Oh man, yeah, yeah, and and then you just start to realize those kind of components and like the parallels that are that are drawn between taking care of our bodies. It's like with a sound body, typically there's a sound mind as well, for the most part, you know. Yeah. And uh, that was, and just even tapping into like spirituality and the mental side of things right now, like I'm really heavily focusing on that on that side of my business. And I've, and I've seen like tremendous results, you know, mm-hmm. with the people that I'm working with, um, you know, the, uh, even just the movements that I'm incorporating inside of the programs that I'm writing, it's mm-hmm. just totally different from what I used to do. So right now it's like, there's a huge emphasis on, you know, mindset, nutrition, and then movement. Mm-hmm. And even then it's like, now I'm starting to look at, it, it's like, okay, we really have to like take care of our bodies through a nutrition sense first and yep. then a mindset and then our body. And it all kind of comes into place, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of built that foundation of like that emphasis you put onto that at a young age, right? Like you started, you were being exposed to these different training modalities at a young age and, and that kind of probably accelerated your growth in terms of the mindset and uh, perspective of it too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And then in grade 11, I was taking applied classes when I was in grade 11 and Mm, then I realized I was like, I, I want to go to university. Like I want to like do something with this. So I, uh, I switched to all academic classes and then mm. I had to like stay an extra year to catch up and everything right. that I missed. And I actually caught up to my, the people that were in the academic from grade nine and actually surpassed some of my peers, which was really sick. Um, so it was just like, I was meant to, I was meant to do more than just, you know, kind of coast. And right. that's like kind of like what resonated with me. I got a similar story with that too. Like I, when I was in grade nine and 10, I didn't really... I didn't really know what I wanted to do in terms of my post-secondary path. So I was taking applied classes too in grade 10. And then I had an English teacher kind of get on me about, you know, you you might want to keep other doors open, right? So you might want to switch into that academic, that more academic uh, route so that you can, you know, keep more doors open. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go to university, but those doors are still ready for you to open, right? Um, So it's important those influences we have from our teachers, right? And, And... Having that right guidance at that age is incredibly important, which is why I love working with high school age athletes because that's just like, I want to give back to that because I was given so much guidance and so much direction at that time in my life, especially when there was so much uncertainty. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's super, super important at that age, you know, grade 9, 10, 11. I mean, even when you get into grade 12, when you're starting to make more decisions for yourself, um, those, that foundation that was set in those earlier years is, is incredibly important, right? Definitely, man. Even the work that you're doing, like you, you see some of the uh, the athletic development that's happening, and like the kids that you're training with, it's like, holy shit, those these kids are pulling way more weight and moving way more weight than I ever have. There's some freaks, man. There's some freaks out there. Oh. Bear with us. Oh, we're back. We're back. A little bit of bad connection there. My bad. It happens. That's all good. That's all good. So you were saying, was your first sport you were exposed to skateboarding then? Yeah, I guess like an individual sport, yeah. And then, um, and then I got like heavily into like basketball and volleyball and track and field. Uh, I picked up hockey in grade ten, and then mm-hmm. I started doing that, which was kind of like that was interesting. Like I went, like I started man, like falling on my skates. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Not, like not even being able to handle the puck, and then like two years into it, I. 
league or whatever, but I was able to eventually like put down like two goals or three goals inside of like a nice time, which was like mm-hmm. I knew at that point I was like, okay, like I really like this shit. Yeah, yeah no <laughs> doubt. Hockey's fun, man. It's it's honestly whenever I get on the ice, strap the skates on, you you just get a lot of I don't know. It's it's just a fun a fun sport to play, right? Um, and it's one of my yeah. favorite sports to watch live too. Like it's just I get a ton of that when uh, with with the school that I work at now. I mean we're a big hockey school, so we we pump out some some serious hockey players. But just watching these guys compete in practice and seeing the behind the scenes stuff that you don't really see is what's you know it's eye opening to me. And it's just like man, uh, I'm glad that we're in the profession that we're in. That's for sure. Yeah, man, for sure, for sure. There's so much that goes into it. Awesome, man. Um, so you and I, we met in we met in uh, Canada when we were studying strength conditioning up there. But you were actually uh, in kinesiology, right? At, at, at NIT or phys ed? I guess it was uh, phys ed at NIT the year before, right? Yeah, yeah. I was in phys ed. Uh, I was in there for one year, and a lot of people don't really know this. It was funny. I was talking to Alex about this earlier. But when I was in phys ed, <clears throat> I actually herniated a disc in my lower back, Shit. which actually took me out of like everything that I was most uh for like a better portion of my second semester and that really changed my perspective and everything man because like when you're able when you have a healthy functioning body and then you're no longer able to use that body it's like it really humbles you in some ways absolutely and i remember going to the hospital and like the doctor was like oh yeah like you're uh you definitely herniated like a disc in your lower back and you're never going to be able to play sports again Hmm. like flat out told me that like you know, I was like, I was like twenty or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But he, but yeah, like you're never gonna be able to play sports again. And then he prescribed me uh, oxycontin. I had no yeah. idea what this was, right? So like, I take this back to like my my dorm, and I call my mom. Like, so he like you prescribed me this. Like, I I don't know what this is. And she was just like, yeah, well, don't take that. <laughs> mm. She's like, that's a highly addictive, you know, uh, yeah. drug that you don't want to get on. So I discarded those. Uh, dealt with like what I was dealing with with Tylenol for like uh, I don't know like three or four weeks went back because it wasn't getting better mm. and then um, he pres- the same doctor prescribed me like a higher dose of Tylenol and then I was on that for my second semester okay. and then the pain wasn't going away because he was like you know don't do any exercise or anything like that and I was like man like how, how is this guy going to tell me that like I can't be exercising right now and I can't be moving two years that were there man uh yeah. I mean, you met lifelong friends and you built relationships with people that were all like-minded like we were, it was it was a special group of guys i think in in those two years that we yeah. were there like if you look at the luke brennan taylor logan like all these guys are, are out there still working in the field right and, and changing people's lives for the better and and yeah. i think having that group of people around us was important for our development as coaches too right 
Um, you kind of touched upon earlier today in your story about how we worked with uh, the Canada uh, basketball team and how that was a challenge in ourselves because we were kind of thrown into, you know, we had prepared, we put a lot of work and a lot of preparation into, into you know, presenting to the team, right? Making sure everybody's kind of building that buy-in early on. Like I remember us going in preseason and doing a lot of things and just building those relationships with guys and it really seemed to, to carry over in, into their lives outside of just playing basketball, right? Like a lot of them caught the bug for, for training, right? And a lot of them, you know, fixed some of their, some of their negative habits. And I mean, we always took a, took a full spectrum approach to it, um, which is important to just get that balance between everything. Like it's not all go, go, go in the weight room, um, but it was challenging. Like, what do you think was the biggest challenge for you that year with us kind of dealing with the, dealing with that team? I think even just yeah. from the beginning, like Larry was just like, you guys are out of your mind. This isn't going to work. Like you're going to waste your time with it. He's like, there's no way. And then, and then we found a way and then we created the opportunity. Mm-hmm. We created the whole program. We had a whole mental component to it. We created the preseason, in-season, the in-season maintenance, uh, like uh, leading up to, um, I, I was actually looking at the whole program that we had. Man, we had like, like six phases inside of it or some shit. Like we, we went in on it, but I found the biggest challenge that we ran into was just being able to get backed by the staff, the right? people who, yeah, the staff who mm-hmm. had most of the control, who could actually implement some of, like, mm-hmm. you know, the the power that they had. Because there was a lot of there's a lot of people who who showed up who worked hard, like Jay Gray, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sharks, Sharks even um, DJ, Jerome, yeah, Javon, Jerome yeah. Winters, yeah, all those mans, bro. Like all those guys, all those guys were just putting in work. And um, uh, Santo even, damn man. Yeah, I remember Santo. That guy was he was working, man. But yeah, he's still working right now. But you're yeah. right. A lot of the things were out of our control. Like there wasn't really much accountability coming from the coaching uh, side of things. Which again, that could have been on us too in terms of like we could have reached out to them a little bit more. But it's not that we weren't. It's like they weren't really disciplining or building that. This and if it doesn't come from the top, from a head coaching perspective, then it's hard for us as as more support staff, right? Like, it's hard for us to really build that. Uh, we can do what we can in the weight room, uh, but when it comes to the court, right, it's got to it's gotta be that head coach that's setting the standards. And Stacey's an amazing guy, and, and no knocks on him yeah, as a person, but as a, as a coach, I think he lacked a little bit of that leadership and that. Uh, but, but I learned from it. I learned from what, he, what his mistakes, and, and I learned yeah. from his success too. Like, he still taught me a lot about building relationships because I, I built a relationship with Stacey in my first year, and he... You know, he really cared about his players. Don't get me wrong. He really, really did. Um, but there were some things that I just think that was out of our control and it came down to the staff being a, a big part of it. But that was certainly a big challenge for us. And like you said, the, the the facilities themselves, sometimes we got pushed around. Remember, we weren't able to have the weight room here and there. Like, we just had to make it work, right? And we adapted and, and figured it out. And that's what, that's what strength conditioning is really all about, being adaptable. That's it, man. And like me, that's, man, couldn't have said it better myself. That's the difference between uh, like a good coach and a bad coach is being able to adapt on the fly and being able to see what's needed at that time and then implement that. Like that's that is what makes a good coach. That is the difference between a good coach and a bad coach, right there. I agree, man. I agree. Hundred percent. So if you can, if you could pinpoint over the two years that we were at Canador, the maybe one or two important life lessons that you uh, kind of learned along the way during those those two years we were together there. Man. I know it's a hard one. transition that was happening too like there's so many big life decisions that happened while while i was at canador you know mm-hmm. Sean, what's up baby mm-hmm. uh 
But I think like the biggest one that I could take from all of that is <clears throat> is being able to trust my decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. like fully trust my decisions and and like and know that I'm making the right decision, even if at that time it's just like you're not really sure. You know, like really being able to trust your gut, make a make a solid decision, and go from there. Because there was like. Like I said, man, like even Olympic weightlifting taught me that as well. Olympic weightlifting, there's so many correlations from skateboarding to Olympic weightlifting, which is just like, I think about that and it's like skateboarding is just about sending it, you know? Weightlifting is like, okay, you're going to fucking send it. Now you really need to send it. You need to commit to this, you know? Because sometimes you're throwing like almost 300 pounds overhead at times, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, okay, like... That commitment to discipline, right? sure for sure uh but i think like yeah being able to trust my decisions and just like follow through on that definitely would be like the main the main thing that i took away from those two years for sure so how do you how do you think like you do you come to that kind of building trust in yourself through trial and error like what do you what are some things that you would do like for me for me sorry go ahead I was just going to say, like, for me, kind of, I think you were going to go on it uh, just there is like trying stuff for yourself, right? And practicing what you preach and, you know, kind of being your own guinea pig, especially because we were students, right? We were able to kind of take the stuff that we were learning in the classroom, apply it to ourselves. And we were fortunate because we were put in a position where we were competing for weightlifting. So it, it really, and we had a ton of coaches around us that were, that were high quality people that wanted to learn and wanted to get better too. We were all kind of feeding off each other through that trial and error process. Uh, and it really set us up for success, I think. Because when you're when you're around people who are who are all giving it like who are giving it their best every single time and they're showing up, <clears throat> and you're and you're able to see like you know not necessarily the mistakes but like the learning processes that are occurring in that it's like you're almost able to live vicariously through that yeah. that experience. And you're learning. That's doubling your learning right there. For sure. With with all those people inside of your circle, but I feel like um, a lot of the things that like I had to overcome during that time was just like yeah like being able to listen to myself a lot of trial and error mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that i do now i wish i did then so i could be a lot more clear on my decision yeah and uh and really just have that peace of mind that like every decision that i was making was the, the right one ultimately because it led me here um but just yeah i man self-doubt's a, a, a big thing right meditate, really. yeah yeah I for sure but self-doubt's a big thing as coaches, right? I still, you know, that imposter syndrome almost, right? Like you still kind of, you think you know what you know, obviously, and you apply it and you try to, you try to build off of what you know. Um, but, you know, obviously there's some challenging aspects of if, am I doing the right thing with these athletes, right? Am I, am I, when it comes to conditioning or when it comes to their strength development, am I looking at it from, from their perspective rather than just my perspective? Is it a, is it a two way street, right? It's uh all those type of things. And, and people still struggle with that. I mean, coaches really struggle with that. It's kind of a theme around the, around the industry right now. It's like, are they doing the right things? Yeah. Um, so, I yeah. mean, building that self-confidence and, and that awareness through sport is, uh, is, is something that really helped me develop as a coach as well. Uh, because you face adversity through sport and you have to kind of persevere in, in certain situations. Um, and that that's directly correlates to coaching. Um, because not, not everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows when you're in the weight room. Uh, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to adapt. Time might change. Uh, equipment might change. Obviously, given the circumstances we're in right now, right, people can't even access gyms. So we have to be adaptable and, and think outside the box from a from a progressional standpoint. Definitely. 
mm-hmm. have said it better myself. So when we were when we were in Canada in in uh, second, well, first and second year, we were kind of competing there. But what were some of the things you were doing as an Olympic weightlifter um, in terms of your training, like to get better at Olympic weightlifting? Um, <clears throat> I was working a lot on just like my positions mm-hmm. and almost like understanding Olympic weightlifting for what it for what it is. You know, it's a power sport. Right. And a lot of it has to do with just consistency inside of your movement, being mm-hmm. able to be efficient, being able to be like powerful. So a lot of it was just like one thing I lacked going into Canada was leg strength, you know, like really developing my center of power. I felt like I had like, you know, like a strong foundation of strength <clears throat> just from all the powerlifting that I had done uh, in university. That was like primarily what I was doing. Like mm. high school was like CrossFit. And then when I went into university, it was like body, bodybuilding, powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I had that injury, it was just like, okay, rehabilitation. Okay, Olympic weightlifting. Um, but so you've touched of, it like, all. I you've... a lot of strength. What's mm-hmm. that, sorry? So you've touched it all. You've had, you've had to deal with everything in terms of the training spectrums, right? You've been at the bottom. You've been at the top. So that's really cool. Straight up, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, a lot of it was developing leg strength. So I spent a lot of time just like, Underneath the barbell is back squatting, front squatting, mm-hmm. and then just working on my positioning and uh, and my efficiency inside of the movements. Okay. Um, Danny Robitaille, when we had that uh, seminar with yeah. him, like he taught me so much. It's just about like the levering systems mm-hmm. on how to use your hips inside of the movement, and it's like it's so much different from like when you segment it inside of your mind. You're like, okay, first pull, second pull, extension, or a third pull extension, whatever, however you want to look at it. But it's like there's more to it than just looking at it as like, you know, sectioning it. It's good to train it in sections, but it's like, okay, you got to pull it all together. And then like, then you start to think about your, your hips differently when you're like triple, like when you're in triple extension and then it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about things differently, you know? And then you start to see the application of it. It's like, as soon as I started to think about weightlifting differently is when I started to get stronger is what I noticed. So before this kind of dives into the more mental side of things, but before, doing a rep of a, of a power clean or, or getting maybe getting ready for a lift in a platform in a competition setting what's going through your mind like are you breaking things down or are you just trying to get in the flow state like what goes through the mind of phoenix before oh, he goes yeah. out for a big heavy lift man i'm like totally present in the moment okay. just like totally clear totally present um and just knowing I, it's like i feel like when most athletes can probably attest to this that when when it's competition time, it's it's go time. You know, it's like I remember in elementary school there was this like substitute. She's like, all right, Phoenix. It was like a track and field meet or some shit like that. She was just like, you're gonna go balls to the wall. She's like, oh shit, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but like, it stuck with me. You know, like balls to the wall. It's like I'm I'm so present in the moment. I just know that like I'm gonna do my best and and totally in a flow state. Like there's nothing entering my mind, and it's just like a very positive. Uh, headspace is, I guess, the best way that I can possibly describe it. Just knowing that I'm going to achieve what it is I'm going out there for. For sure, man. And that kind of ties into our next question here. And, uh, I mean, you're a big guy that's really proponent on on the mindset aspect of things. And you've been diving into that a lot over the past year. I've seen, obviously, on your social media, um, really diving into that. So what are some strategies that you have when it comes to developing the mental side of sport? Like the non-physical traits, uh, you know, like accountability, work ethic, consistency, perseverance, anything like that. What kind of strategies do you have uh, yeah. to share with us? For sure, man. <clears throat> I find uh, one thing that I've noticed a lot, like a lot of my clients that I work with, um, specifically, 
probably, I don't know. It seems like we have a lot of negative self-talk that occurs mm-hmm. within our minds. Um, you know, if we don't do something right, we're, we're the first ones to lash ourselves and, and, and know exactly what we didn't do right and how we could have improved it. And oftentimes, uh, what I've noticed with people that I'm working with is that, like, we never really put in the positive affirmations that are needed to like sort of build ourselves back up and build some strength inside of our, our mindset. So often we, you know, we have these negative affirmations that are going on within our minds and negative, like any sort of affirmation is training the subconscious to like when something happens, what's the thought that's going to come out of that when, when something bad happens or something good happens, mm-hmm. you know, if something good happens, are you thinking, Oh, okay. It's just a matter of time before something bad's going to happen, or something bad happens. Like, oh, I was kind of anticipating that to occur, you know. And and oftentimes we just forget the the power of affirmations, you know. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I do when I wake up, I'm always consistent with it. I have to be consistent with it because I know that consistency is what breeds results. Is I'm consistent with my meditation and movement in the morning, you know. Whether it's uh, usually I'm doing about like. 10 to 15 minutes of yoga um, just to move the body around, circulate some oxygen, loosen up the muscles, and then it's it's, it's like 11 to 15 minutes of meditation. Usually it's consistently around 11 minutes, but there's times Mm. where like I'll slip into like a deep meditation and I'm there for a bit longer. But um, in positive affirmations, man, uh, I have about 30 affirmations that I have written out that I try and get to. I try and get to all 30 every single day. And if not, I'm repeating one of them at least 10 times to just like train the subconscious that like regardless of anything occurs, I know that like I can overcome it. I know that I can persevere and that the training that I, I built essentially a six pack on my subconscious mind that like I, I know that when something bad happens that I'm going to be able to deal with it and, and move through it consciously. No doubt, man. That's that's amazing. And I think you, you, know, you hit, hit the nail right on the head with that positive affirmations to yourself because I mean so much traditional coaching is kind of like pointing out the wrongs that you did right and there's nothing wrong with that as long as there's a positive kind of feedback system after that Um, and I've noticed with like if you if you look back in like the 60s 70s 80s there was a lot of like coaches that would put put their players down right and and we're starting to see a shift in in terms of the innovation in terms of the culture side of things um, where where coaches are now starting to build those affirmations into team sport um, but for coming from your perspective, an individual sport, if you go out and you miss a lift in training or you miss your first lift in a, in a, in a competition, obviously like there might be some self doubt, there might be some stuff going through your mind, but being able like, you're never going to stop those feelings, but being able to harness them and kind of be aware of them and then push them aside and reaffirm to yourself that, you know, you are enough. You've put in the work, you've put in the time, uh, you've prepared for these moments and you're ready to bounce back. And I think, uh, it, it's an important thing to look from a individual perspective, but also you do a great job of, of letting other people know about that and sharing sharing your experiences. And I think that's, again, that's just building up more people around you in your circle. And, and that's incredibly important for your, for your self, uh, self-worth as well, right? Because now you're getting that affirmation from other people and the, you know, they're bringing you up at the same time. And I, like, I'm a big believer in training and coaching as a two-way street. I'm learning just as much from my clients and my athletes and, and from you and from the people that I'm connected with as much as you know from a textbook or from a video I'm watching on YouTube or from uh, a degree or, or whatever it might be right like all that stuff it just kind of goes hand in hand and and, and people are, are really the foundation to learning in my opinion yeah and it's always being open to that too right like we can never assume that we know everything of course 
and that, and I think that's like that humility is such an important aspect of like that's that adaptability that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to like listen to someone and hold their viewpoint here and yours over there, and just being able to look at both of them like you know objectively and just exactly. be like, okay, mine. I can't really say that mine's right, and I really can't say that theirs is wrong either. You know, there's so, so many ways. Holding. There's so many ways to skin the cat with with especially in training and coaching, right? But it's, it's knowing what's right for the person or what's right for the team, um, not necessarily what's right for the coach or what's right for uh, an individual player on the team. Like, I think it's coming from that, you know, that full spectrum and, and having people together and working together towards that common goal. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's, that's about all I wanted to cover with you, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, if you could leave us with anything, uh, what would you leave us with? amazing well phoenix man i appreciate you coming on today i'm looking forward to getting on uh, the golden movement podcast soon enough if you haven't if you haven't followed this man make sure you check out our stories we got uh him and his page um and also his wonderful partner who does a lot of great things uh wild astrology i think it is on uh on instagram so yeah hit up both those guys for any sort of holistic approach to training um we're looking forward to having you back on here sometime in the near future all right yeah, I really appreciate it, Sean. You have a good evening. You too, man. Thanks, Phoenix. Appreciate it. Peace.